I'm like, what flower looks like a butthole? <laughs> <laughs> even though I still that's know. That's not where my brain is. And gone. even though I know that's not what she wants. Anus is a strong word. Right. You know, it's not something you hear every day. There's no reason why you shouldn't have Jopi. How do you not know about this plant? I'm looking for it. He's like, they don't know what I'm, I'm talking. I'm looking for it. I'm looking here. <laughs> All right. So should I start or do you want to start? All right. Yeah. Um. Who? Yeah. Because last I don't week mind. didn't go so well. Oh, my God. You guys, seriously, I am sick of listening to you guys try to figure out who's starting every week. So I'm going to do it. This is Nick Farrington and Ethan Wise, and this is the Take It or Leave It podcast. You Hoya huggers. There. Are we done? Are we good? Cool. I, I, okay. So can we move on now? That'd be great. Sure. Yeah. yeah um, yep. Sounds good. Thanks. Okay. Thanks, hon. I guess. Uh, thank you. Um, yeah, I, I, okay. 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 Yeah, that's, yeah, uh, yep. that's my wife, and she's... Um, here. She's... <laughs> yep. Yeah, she's uh, directing the flow on this one. Thanks. Whether we like it or not. Yeah. Well, you can take that or leave it. Oh, okay. Oh, we might have some uh, internship positions available. Yeah, (laughs) unpaid. Mm. Do I get to go get the juice boxes? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. You want a curly straw? With your money. Ah, good. Yes, we will. I would like a crazy straw. Mm -hmm. You will need to buy us coffee before every podcast. Mm. Yep. Okay. And then listen to us give you harsh critiques. <laughs> While I appreciate the offer, I respectfully decline. Okay. I respect that. Do you? Yeah. Because I'm going to end up bringing you juice anyway, and we all know it. I respect you less now. Um, Lindsay, one <laughs> second. We're going to chat really quick. Um, should we fire I don't her? Think she's working out. Oh, uh, yeah. Should we, should we let too, her go? A little too direct. Ooh, yeah, yeah. yeah. A little aggressive. Air quotes. I feel like she should have jumped in and done the intro the way that she did on yeah, day one. totally out of the blue. She kind of like pushed you aside and started using your mic and stuff. I was very surprised by that. Yeah. Yeah. So do we go ahead and do we just tell her we're going to move on to a different candidate? I think she's still listening. Oh, shoot. Oh, she has headphones on. Oh. Did she hear the whole thing? Have you been here the whole time? Do you on? think she heard the whole thing? She heard the whole thing. Oh, damn. Yeah. Oh. Well, uh, well with I that. guess we're going to get to the We to got the a great episode. Yep. I think, do we need to go to a commercial break? Yep. Okay, okay guys. Well, um, boop, 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 hey, hon, do you hear your phone? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> well, that depends. Is your refrigerator running? Hmm. Ooh. Well, let's get on to our normal episode. On that note, on that note, we are going to get right on into it since yeah. we don't have to piss around with figuring out who's going to intro this episode. I guess not, because <laughs> some people don't want, want us to do. get to the point. <laughs> you know, I don't even think she's a Patreon subscriber. Uh, actually, I can verify she is not. <laughs> we do not have any of six dollars from her. Yeah. So bossing us around like that. Yeah. Just taking your mic from you like that. <laughs> so you found this topic we were searching through some various green industry magazines publications what we do for fun. For, yeah. yeah some people yeah. go to bars right and get smashed 
Yep. And some people go and play sports balls and we sit and read horticulture yeah, magazines. Yeah. We flip through we flip <laughs> the through the centerfold spreads. <laughs> Ow! <laughs> yeah. Ooh, new insecticidal <laughs> spray. Ooh. Look at those roots. <laughs> <laughs> But so on our Sunday night, we were perusing through copies of Inside Grower magazine, mm-hmm. as one does, mm-hmm. and found this short little snippet, which Ethan is just going to read the whole snippet to you guys because it's just a little section of kind of an intro area of the front of this. Um, is Inside magazine. Grower available to civilians? Or do you have to have a horticulture business or a business in general to be able to subscribe to this magazine? I don't know. I don't think I've ever subscribed to them. I think they just saw like, oh, this is a horticulture related or maybe one of my vendors sold my information or something. <laughs> I get them all the time. All oh. the hort publications. I, I must get them not all the be time. cool in the hort- enough in the horticulture world to receive them oh, yet. Oh, huh. I wonder if I bet one of my wholesale vendors probably. Are you going to sell my information? Yeah, I'll so sell. I, now sell, I'll sell your information. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right. So you can start getting free magazines cool. to pile up. Yeah, yeah. I'll take that. Yeah. Awesome. But so we found this short little paragraph here and it kind of led us to, well, led you to go down a little bit of a rabbit hole. Doesn't take much to do that. <laughs> True. Yeah. With plant stuff yeah. or stuff stuff. Give me three sentences about something in the industry that makes me go, huh. And I'm going to go digging down that hole. Yep. And so you want to go ahead and read. Well, one, should we tell them what it is we're talking about? Probably. Biochar. Yeah, biochar. Kind of a something that's been It's not new. On yeah, but it's, it's kind of like a fringy kind of But it's building less uh, mainstream. Yeah. Kind of like how mycorrhiza and stuff like that as a soil additive was a little less well known. And now it's so common. Ago, and I think that that's yeah. maybe the trajectory for biochar is yeah. the same way that mycorrhiza has Or like worm castings exactly. or some of those like random soil. You used to like when worm things. castings were a thing and like when mycorrhiza you would buy like large quantities of things for large garden areas or crop fields and now you can buy little bags of uh, it's available to a retail right kind of size right and that's you know and you might have already seen biochar in a garden center already in a small bag but i think where a lot of people who are actively using it now are using it on a much larger scale mm-hmm. like many cubic yards or tons of it to then be applied to their fields whatever they're trying to grow whether it's in wooded natural areas or crop fields i think is still the most popular use of it right now and you want to go ahead and kind of give them an idea of exactly what that is Yeah, yeah. So I'll describe what biochar or give the definition of biochar and then read this little snippet and then go into a little bit more of what it is that biochar is supposed to do for your soil. So biochar, and this is from the Tennessee Extension Office, to be an article that is in the links for this episode. Biochar is a charcoal-like material that is produced from plant materials such as grass, agricultural and forest residues that are decomposed at high temperatures so in many ways it's charcoal but 
it's not quite the same way. Yeah. You know, this, there's a particular type of plant material that they're using, depending on what your goal is from that type of biochar. And there's so different temperatures that they might cook it at too. And I won't go too much in depth of that because that doesn't really affect us for knowing that. But like, you're going to char your grass. You know, if you harvest a bunch of forest grass to then turn into biochar to make a more fine, you know, since that's a smaller area, you know, and then you cook it down and and it reduces its surface area. It's a much finer biochar if you use something like a a grass versus using wood chips from a tree, which makes a much more chunkier option. And so I guess as you... And the nutrient profile is different. other components Some things are more available than others. And apparently there's some more that's over my head, at least as of right now, where depending on what it is that you want to get out of the biochar, if you talk to the right people, the people who sell and create this stuff, they can sell you or narrow down the right biochar made from whatever material they're making it from to benefit what it is that you're trying to accomplish from your growing space. Whether you're trying to get specific nutrients available to your plants, you're trying to reduce the absorption of toxic material that is like in the heavy soil, metals. right, into the plants, or you're trying to just increase the microbial life of your plants. Are you trying to grow crops? Are you trying to rehabilitate a forested area? There's different biochars that might have a different or more rapid or slow response to that area that might be more fine-tuned to your specific need of biochar i so essentially it's being used as a soil additive in relatively small percentages what do you see quite a bit like five percent right so give or take yeah anywhere between one and five percent they've seen changes so it's a pretty Um, small amount overall talk about that in specific with uh with the heavy metal reduction okay sure so anyway so that's then that will go into what it was that encouraged me to go a little bit more in depth to be able to talk to people about and oh wow nick moved my microphone a little bit and now i sound way better so sorry for the first 10 minutes of this podcast where i found it a little bit less clear Hopefully I sound way more professional now. Anyway, so this is the article and it is, it's just a little snippet in this Inside Grower Magazine, page six of the February 2022 Inside Grower Magazine. And usually in this magazine, it's common for the first couple of pages to just be like these little intro stories all across the horticultural world. But they refer to this section as just like the insider and it's just got five to a dozen little snippet stories of so what's happening like in the industry editorial staff or something like that there's no particular author author yeah. associated yeah, the with editorial this. staff finds interesting stories and sheds some light on them yeah. uh, giving you the opportunity like what i'm doing to f- further research it if you're interested so this one here titled simply biochar and lead new research out of the university of siena in italy indicates that amending soil with biochar can reduce the availability of lead and thus reduce its uptake in lettuce. In the study, lettuce was grown in lead-contaminated soils in several scenarios, including with 5% biochar, without biochar, and again in soilless systems with 1% biochar and without biochar. 
plants grown in the biochar amended soil saw a 50% reduction in the accumulation of lead in the leaves, while hydroponically grown lettuce plants with biochar had an even higher reduction at 80%. So very fascinating. And then the author stated that increased cation exchange capacity and pH likely limited the bioavailability of the lead. And the cation exchange capacity is something that has very, very, very briefly and usually in like a joking manner come up in this podcast because we've kind of actively tried to avoid talking about it because unless you're really, really nerdy into the soil science and, and what's happening below the surface, which is where all of the action is happening, or not all the action, but a majority of the action is happening below the surface and what you are seeing above ground is directly associated to what's happening below ground. And the cation exchange capacity, also just commonly referred to as CEC, is to break it down into layman's terms is how nutrients are absorbed by the plant. And they become absorbed as being a positive ion, which is what a cation is. And certain nutrients are made available when they're in a cation state like magnesium or potassium they can then be absorbed by the plant. And so ways that you can increase the cation exchange capacity in your soil are by adding certain things to the soil, usually things that have some sort of bio nature to them, whether it's compost or manure or biochar. Essentially um, acting as kind of a carrier, Kind of say? like a carrier or conduit or something sure. like that to allow for nutrients to become available to the plant. And like I said, there's it's a very nerdy conversation and maybe a professor with a doctorate or a master's who has 20 years in the field or 40 years in the field in a research capacity. Right, might be able to break it down into a more palatable way, but even though I understand it, it's maybe not something that I feel confident enough in my ability to Describe it in not a boring way. Sure. Even though it is a very important process for the plant, most people, probably the average person listening, More just needs to know that our purpose. Yeah. nutrients are in the soil and they get available and they're absorbed by our plant. You know, that's what fertilizer is. Right. So that all being said, what we know about biochar and what we believe it to do in the soil is like i said increasing the cation exchange capacity which to just narrow that down is helping plants absorb more and or the right nutrients from the soil increasing the surface area of the bio or the microbial life in the soil so you're giving this nice rich organic material and you're putting in the soil and in that process. And it's a heavily carbon right. with biochar. And mm-hmm. so it's relatively inert, but also very porous. And I think that's where the kind of that surface area thing comes into play. Correct. Increasing the pH of the soil. So very helpful for highly acidic areas. And if the pH is too acidic, then it can dramatically affect the growth of plants and also the absorption of nutrients. And we've touched on that before as far as fertilizing goes, 
that you might have all the nutrients you need to in now, your soil. Now, is it saying increase the pH as in making the soil more, ba- more basic? Right. Ah, okay. And I think that has to do with the char effect. If you add too much ash, you know, sometimes if you're doing your own compost pile, and some people might add ash from like a fire pit or something into their compost pile. While you can do that in small amounts, excessive ash will raise and dramatically increase the pH of your soil. So anything in any extreme, whether it's too acidic or too alkaline, you start to grow outside of the range for most plants to be happy in. There's a lot of plants that can thrive in acidic soils, some plants that we associate here in the Midwest as annuals can tolerate high acidic soils. Things like hydrangeas can very much tolerate it. Sometimes maples tend to be a little bit happier in a more acidic environment. Get less chlorosis. Exactly. Which we've discussed before, primarily being a nutrient deficiency of iron. Because if the pH is too high, iron cannot be absorbed. And that is due to the cation exchange capacity. Anyway, so yeah, the biochar can raise the pH of the soil, which depending on the environment can allow for more nutrients to become available to the plants. And then also the biochar is believed to enhance the water holding capacity of that soil. So often, you know, if you have a really dry area that just you're having a really hard time keeping plants alive in this area, some people might recommend to use biochar in that given area simply to help with moisture retention. So all kinds of uses for it, and it is becoming more available in small doses as a soil additive to mix in with your containers or your raised garden beds or maybe even a little bit in your house plant containers just because of what it can do for your plants. Sure. Yeah. So and there's there's a lot more on top of really positive benefits like we saw with the heavy metals referenced in this little snippet Mm -hmm. from inside grower you know especially if you have an area that's known to have a higher or near too high area of heavy metal presence in the soil and this as an additive can help to reduce the absorption of that heavy metal by the plants there's a significant benefit there Mm-hmm. And I think one of the selling points for people that are kind of in the biochar business is, you know, I actually kind of backtrack a little bit. My first introduction to biochar was a few years ago when you and I went to the IGC trade show, which mm, up in um, Chicago, at up Navy in Pier. Sh- exactly. Yep. And that's a show for people in the horticulture industry where usually people who are buyers in the field, which since we worked at a retail environment, we were considered buyers and we, it gives us an opportunity to interact with wholesale vendors and get to learn more about what product they are selling and gives them an opportunity to reach a larger audience. And interacted with this gentleman who was representing this particular biochar company. And I remember really liking the idea behind it, but it was so freaking expensive. I'm thinking like, Mm -hmm. why is burnt wood so damn expensive? This doesn't make sense to me. Like you're, you're selling stuff that you just set on fire and realizing now many years later that there is a little more particular. Yeah. There's much more science involved to it. And it's still, I think a little bit pricey. I think you really have to, but especially then it would be a little bit more kind of fringy of a, of a soil additive. Yeah. I want to say like this little small bag, you know, would be like 30 or $40 retail. Mm -hmm. I'm thinking like, how am I going to convince people 
that they need to drop $40 on this little bag of burnt wood to Mm -hmm. mix into their yard. I was like, they're going to think I'm selling snake oil. So the idea behind people who are selling the biochar is like, yes, while there might be a, a price factor to consider in biochar, their mentality is in the long run, you're saving money. You're saving money in watering. You're saving money in fertilizer. Because if you apply biochar, the right kind of biochar at the right weight and or distribution per the area that you want to amend. Kind of similar benefit as a soil inoculant with mycorrhiza and sure, beneficial absolutely. bacteria and all that stuff. Exactly. Yeah. So, so they that's are their a little argument. more, exp- they are a little more expensive. They come in a small quantity, but typically, you know, just like biochar that you're applying in single digit percentages of the volume of your soil, kind of like with the, the soil inoculants with mycorrhiza, it's a very small amount that you're watering in over a broad area. So it's, it's like, yes, you're paying, you know, $35 for this little pouch of powder, but it's like, yeah, but this can give you a treat lot of an coverage. acre of land or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And so that being said, you know, like, okay, yeah, yeah, it's expensive, but in the long run, you're saving money on fertilizer application and excessive watering and your plants are going to be healthier which means if you're growing crop, you're going to get a bigger harvest or you're going to see a faster growth, you know, on your newly planted garden bed. So we'll see. And I hope to learn more about this and I'm sure I will learn more about it as I see it made more readily available. Overall, though, it seems like can't hurt. No, yeah, it doesn't seem like there's potentially unless you overdo it. Right. And maybe you over amend, you, you overdo the pH, exactly. Much, sure. So that would maybe be the only concern. And anything, anytime you are using a product to amend the pH of your soil, I highly recommend that you have a soil analysis test done and have that interpreted by a professional, someone who who knows how to determine what you need to add to your soil to help your particular situation. Because what you might do for a corn crop field is very different than what you might do in your backyard. Right. Um, so that all being said, changing and amending the soil pH is a process. It doesn't happen overnight. It takes time to accumulate it. And if you're doing it incorrectly or have the wrong information from the get-go and you need to revert what you have done, it is going to take time to do it. Sure. So... Now I feel like kind of getting that nerdy thing off the table and getting that out of the way, we should kind of go off the cuff on something goofy. Yeah, go for it. Does that feel right? Yeah, feels right. Can I talk about my purple anus? (laughs) Your what now? Okay, so. Hey, Ethan, do you hear that? What? Oh, it's an ad. Real quick, thanks for listening to our episode today. You can stay in touch with us by supporting us on Patreon. We are at patreon.com slash take it or leave it. And we'll have bonus content on Patreon for all of our subscribers there where you can get extra episodes and snippets from the show that we don't release to all the other platforms. 
You can also find us on Instagram, Facebook, or YouTube at Take It or Leave It Pod. And you can also visit our website, takeitorleafitpod.com. If you have any questions or comments or any stories you'd like us to research or talk about, or hell, send us a picture of a plant you want us to identify, you can send that information to show at takeitorleafitpod.com. You can also follow us on our individual Instagrams. I am at Hortwise, H-O-R-T-W-I-S-E. And I am at N Farringdon. N-F-A-R-R-I-N-G-D-O-N. Thanks so much. We'll get back to the episode. Oh, you got me. (laughs) Okay, so let me backtrack. Okay, I'm ready. (laughs) I don't want anyone to think I'm making fun of anyone's accent. That's not the point of it. While there are heavy accents that are involved in these two little stories, I am only going to talk about them in the sense that it's freaking hilarious (laughs) that certain words were said the way that they were said and i did not make either one of these people feel bad for saying certain words the way that they say them and you were not picking up what they were putting down neither time so i at a garden center where i worked at this woman came to me and she had a very thick eastern european accent and she comes up to me and without skipping a beat comes up and says, do you have purpleanus? And I did not know how to respond to that. There's very little training, uh, life training that you receive on this planet for when someone out of nowhere comes up to you and asks you if you have a bruised butthole. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I knew that there was, I knew, like I kept... To the best of my ability, I feel pretty confident that I had a strong poker face. Mm -hmm. And I knew internally there's no way she's asking me this. There's no way she's asking me about the color of my butt. And there's something layered in this. You're trying to process and figure (laughs) out what this combination of words that's happening is. Wow, you are in shock. Yeah. So, so, and no one can help you. You know, you're just kind of, you're in this boat alone. And it's like, okay, you grab a paddle and I grab a paddle and let's see where we dock. And let's swim to my purple anus. (laughs) So I ask her again, I'm sorry, what? And she doubles down and says, purple anus. And I I said, "Um, is, I was like, so like a perennial? And she says, yes, perennial flower. I was like, okay. We're going somewhere. We're right. getting We're somewhere. narrowed down to a category. I could tell she said purple. I understood purple. Right. This is a purple flower. It's a perennial. You're like anus, anus, <laughs> anus, anus. I think I'm like, what could look like an anus? Like a platycodon? Is like the balloon flower? Purple balloon flower look like a butthole? And like now I'm like thinking of what flowers might look like a butthole. And I'm looking like I've never trained my mind to look at flowers this way before. So your mind just went to butthole. I'm like, what word is going to sound like anus, but isn't. Yeah. And I'm like, what flower looks like a butthole? (laughs) (laughs) Even though I still know. Even though I still know that's wrong. I know that's not what she wants, but it's. Uh, anus is in my brain now yeah, and it, yeah. that doesn't you just can't get it. you can't yeah 
Anus is a strong word. It's not something you hear every day. It's one that really throws you up. Yes. So we're walking around the sales yard and I am bullshitting my way through this conversation, just trying to gauge what it is she's looking for. You're like searching for more clues. Exactly. And we eventually finally get to what she was looking for was purple anis, A-N-I-S-E, hyssop. Ah. One that we referred to previously as Agastache and apparently as Agastache. Which I, both of us refuse to pronounce it that way. So, <laughs> so we just say hyssop. So hyssop is the common name for it. And it's in the mint family. So it is. it has a similarity to catnip or salvia or bee balm, mountain mint. It has a really nice strong anise kind of smell. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really um, nice. and there are several varieties of hyssop. So she was specifically looking for purple anise, mm-hmm. which is a a variety of agostache, but there's all kinds of colors. And that one, obviously, with the name, has a purple flower. But you can find orange flowers and red coral flowers and different shades of purples and pinks. I used a nice, really light blue one this year um, as a replacement for some liatris that had died as seems to be the case often in central Illinois now. Unfortunately. Yeah, but really nice. Yeah, I tried kind of like an a orange tall, cultivar before. I used one of those too. And it is stunning. Yeah, I used a little compact one that mm-hmm. only gets like 14, 18, 16 yeah. inches tall. Yeah, super I think I know nice. What, I can't remember the kind variety of the name of it, but I'm... Pink I'm, to orange. Yes. Yeah, it was a PW. I can't remember the variety, but so pretty, really nice. Long I'm very attracted blooms. to an orange flower, anyway. Mm-hmm. But yeah, and especially can, with that pink tinge to it, yeah, it's just a really nice. And it can nice kind of have a little bit of a reblooming quality too. Here mm. we are. See, it didn't take much for us yep. to go into talking. Tangent. Yep, talking into the description of a plant. Yep. So anyway, was able to with patience and maturity. Digging real deep for that maturity in a public environment was able to finally figure out. And so what I said to her, because given her accent and her English, which was still very good, but not her, her main language. Sure. So instead of trying to describe to her or help her pronounce Agastache or Gostaki, because I could tell that wasn't resonating. And with we her, don't like to use that either. either words, right? I said, you should ask for purple hyssop yeah. in the near future. I was like, whenever you're looking for this plant again, I was like, oh, yeah, just ask for hyssop. Yeah. And she had no problem saying hyssop right. just to avoid someone else going through what I said, because who knows how someone else might react right. if they are asked if they have purple anus. <laughs> it's shocking <laughs> no matter what you're doing. Anyone comes up to you and looks you dead in the eye and says that to you. I dare you to not be thrown off guard. Not dare. Dare's the wrong word. I challenge you to not feel little. Do I need help? (laughs) But so you had another interaction kind of along the same line. This dude was rude. Um, Oh, okay. But was, I still kept my cool with this one. And this dude comes in, he has a very thick New England accent. Mm, So mm -hmm. Boston, New York, which probably people from Boston and New York are like, we sound nothing alike. But sorry to the rest of the U.S., we kind of (laughs) do. 
So I, I don't know of what part of New England he I'm was from. I'm sure we sound like country folk. Yeah, we probably so. all, yeah, when we're saying open. Right. Uh, yeah. No worries. <laughs> <laughs> we probably all say the same, sound the same. So just going to squeeze past you. Yeah. <laughs> and our Midwestern goodbyes. Right. But uh, so he comes in and he's very high energy and he's already spoken to one or two other associates and they are lost. They have no idea what this guy is trying. And so by the time I get him, which I have this lovely, I guess, what's the right word? I I have this lovely luxury of being the go-to person, whether I'm managerial or not for handling problem customers or intense customers, or when people are just simply at a loss, they're like, Ethan, yeah. So I come over and I try to help this guy and he immediately because I think he's probably now irritable. He's because, already pissed off. Because right. Because he's spoken to two people, people yeah. who have not been able to help him. And in his eyes, this shouldn't be a difficult request. And he comes to me he's like, hey, where's your jopey? I need your jopey. I, I can't do I'm not even going to attempt to do a Boston accent because it's just going to sound horrendous. Um, he's like, hey, where's your jopey? Uh, here I am. and I'm trying to do it. I can't help it. So he's asking for jopey. And keep saying Jopey at extreme intensity. He's looking for the Jopey plant. And it's common. There's no reason why you shouldn't have Jopey. And everybody has Jopey. How do you not know about this plant? I'm looking for it. He's like, they don't know what I'm, I'm talking about. I'm looking for it. I'm looking here. And uh, he's just kind of going on. I was like, all right, I don't know what you're talking about. Now, and now he's like even more frustrated. He's like, how do you not know this plant? He's right. making it very clear to everyone who didn't want to be an audience to this scenario that he is very frustrated that no one here knows what Jopy plant is and that we should know we're a garden center. Every garden center has it. He doesn't understand why we don't know what he's talking about. And there's no way that we don't carry this plant in some way, shape or form. And so we finally was like, Hey, we're just going to have to break it down. Tell me what it does. And finally break down. It's like, okay, he's looking for, it can get tall and it flowers usually in summer. It's a plant for pollinators. It likes wet areas. And we finally get to the point after playing 20 questions, Joe Pieweed. Got it. Okay. And I say that to him and he doesn't change upon us like, oh, Joe Pieweed. He's like, yeah. Jopey. The thing I've been asking for the whole time. Right. So he did not, it's like what I am saying and what is you're exactly saying exactly the are same thing. No difference. Tomato celery. Right. Right. It was just like, <laughs> right. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I was like, okay, like Joe Pieweed. Got it. Yes, we have that. We have the native over here. It gets huge. We have cultivars over here. And he is just like, Yes. Apple. Like, like what I'm I've from, been. He's like, I'm, I'm from Boston. I got places like, to be. I've been here for like 20 minutes trying to find this very common plant. Yeah. And I was like, I'm glad you now finally know what you should have known was the demeanor I got from him. And he gets his plant and he leaves. No, thank you. No, nothing. Just more words to himself out loud and under his breath expressing his (laughs) frustration with all of us idiots at this garden center who didn't know that he was asking for this particular plant and all i could think of was like man i wish more people knew the botanical name 
Because if he had said Eupatorium in any accent, it would have been somehow easier to. <laughs> right. Like not about not a lot of other plants sound quite like Eupatorium. Right. So even if he said Epitorium, you know, because it's EU, and mm-hmm. I would have still probably been able to more quickly figure out that he was asking for Eupatorium. Yeah. But Jopy. Where's that Jopy? And not throwback jo- to Joe one of my top weed, six. Yeah. Jopy plant. Yeah. I'm like, I don't know what you're saying, dude. Throwback to one of my top six favorite perennials. Yeah. There we go. Yep. The dwarf version. So those are just two stories of yeah. miscommunication in the garden center and one with a very pleasant older lady with a thick European accent wanting to know about my bruised butthole. And another one with a dude from New England that just knew better than everyone else, egregiously messing up the pronunciation <laughs> of plants to the point that three people who are very familiar with perennials yeah. could not understand. The 20 this. questions really helps when you get something that's... I think that's like, the big takeaway mm-hmm. from this is... Because even some of the some of these plants have so many common names, especially if you get somebody coming in that maybe is in an older demographic when it seemed like there were even more like the spread of common names was mm-hmm. even more so. And they're like, oh, well, my grandma called it this, mm-hmm. it, you know, and it's like, uh, I don't know what the most popular common name for this plant was a hundred years. You know what I mean? Like literally like a hundred years ago. Right to what would be commonly used to refer to it as now separate of the latin and yeah the 20 questions really helps if you can get like a rough leaf shape flower color kind of flower structure is Mm -hmm. it a single is there a clump is it you know and i do like playing size of the plant yeah i do kind of enjoy that challenge when people would come into a garden center and they're like i'm looking for the only time it was frustrating when when they would just be like yeah i just don't it's it's green yeah these are green and like it gets a flower. I was like, what color? I was like, I don't know. It's red. Pinkish, no, it's purple. Pur- yeah, Maybe uh, pink, red, or purple. I'm like, like what oh, does it look like? I don't them? know. I've only seen it on, from a distance. <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, or they'll bring a picture that's taken 200 feet away that they zoomed in from because they didn't want to walk into their neighbor's yard or they were driving. So it's kind of blurred <laughs> <laughs> like that. I'm like, no, is that a purple anus? I don't know. <laughs> So, well, on that note. Yeah. So anyway, yeah, the 20 questions and a yeah. good horticulturist or a good garden center staff member knows how to play 20 questions, even when presented with the most ridiculous situations and can usually help you find. So once again, my weird stories here tie back around somehow loosely to go to an independent local garden center. Someone there will help you figure out right. what plants you're looking for. Yeah, on our previous episode <laughs> where we talked about the importance of professional horticulturists. There you go. They're the ones to hit with the 20 questions game and try mm-hmm. to identify what plant you're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. Yeah, a little uh, quick episode. Again, thank you so much for subscribing to the Take It or Leave It podcast. Your guys' support really does help us keep the show going. As always, if you guys have ideas for future episodes, topics that you'd like to hear us talk about or go more in depth on, always open to ideas from you guys. If you have comments, 
any kind of feedback, we'd love to hear from you guys because, again, it's your guys' contributions to the show that help us keep everything rolling and moving forward and us getting more content and more education about the horticultural world out to everyone. So thank you. Thank you so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed this episode. And with that, this has been the Take It or Leave It podcast. I'm Nick Farrington. I'm Ethan Weiss. And we'll see you guys next week. Toodles. Bye.